0: Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent podcast series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderveld, your host today. So good evening and welcome to uh, this VPC live event. Uh, my name is Jackie Vanderveld and I'm very uh, pleased to be hosting this session tonight. And we have the very wonderful academic coach, Diana Dale. Welcome, Deanna.
1: Thank you, Jackie. Very excited to be
0: here. Oh, look, it's wonderful to have you, and it's such a critical time too, Diana. So but there's lots of additional stresses this time round. So. I think last year was stressful, but uh, I think this year's sort of unfolding with a little, little bit of extra kick in the bag.
1: Definitely. <laughs> so, <yeah.
0: laughs> so, look, I'm going to hand over to you, Deanna, to introduce yourself in terms of what you do and then let you launch into it. So, Deanna, over to you.
1: Thank you, Jackie. And good evening, everyone who's tuning in. Or good morning, good evening, good night, if you're watching this at a later date. I'm very glad to be here. My name is Deanna, I'm an academic coach and founder at True Coaching. And basically I help students develop skills and strategies that they might not be getting from school to help them study smarter, not harder, uh, help them get through exams, maximize their results and most importantly, minimize their stress around these times and we thought it would be timely to discuss a roadmap heading into exams. So for our high school students, particularly our seniors, exams are coming up in just a matter of six or seven weeks, they'll start kicking off. um, And for the rest of the students towards the end of term four. So we thought we might go through a bit of a guide on, on how you can prepare and map out that process with a couple of extra study strategies in there as well. I guess it's important to understand some of the problems students face when they're heading into this period. So after having done this for a decade and worked with thousands of students in Australia and internationally, there seems to be a trend in the questions and concerns around this time. And they're usually around, where do I start? How do I study? What do I need to know? And when do I know I'm ready? Or how do I know I'm ready? It can all be a little bit overwhelming and without some really clear guidance on how to study or how to prepare, it's hard for them to know exactly what to do. So today we're going to go through a little bit of a rundown and where we can help is going through a little uh, exercise on the learning pyramid to understand how learning and studying works and can be maximized. We're going to talk about some active study strategies and then creating a roadmap and how uh, students can create it for themselves and how parents and teachers can, can help and support them through that process as well as some extra exam resources. So let's get right into it. That's it the tone for the whole presentation, it's important to understand how learning and studying work. So we're going to have a look at the learning pyramid and retention rates. Retention being how easily the information is retained in the short and long term and therefore how easily the students can draw on that information when they head into exams. So, There's a few different ways that students can learn and study and all of them yield quite varying retention rates, starting with lectures and reading. So being in class or watching a presentation or or being spoken to about a certain concept that typically only yields a retention rate of about 5% um, over the short to medium term. And reading textbooks, exercises, PowerPoints typically doesn't help all that much either with only a 10% retention rate. The problem is most students heading into exams not knowing what to do default to rereading their notes or re re-list, listening to certain lectures or, or classes, which we can see from this table that it doesn't necessarily yield the best retention rates. But if we go further down, you've got audio visual demonstrations. So, audio videos or workshops like this, where you can see here touch, whatever, and demonstration is when you're being shown how something works or shown how to do something, you can see the retention rate increases slightly, but only remembering 30% of the content isn't really ideal. But as we go further down this pyramid, we start to get more active strategies around discussion groups and interacting with the content yourself or doing it yourself. So for students, that's talking in groups or maybe even participating in questions or exercises. And that is where we start to get retention rates of 50 to 75%, which we're getting closer to what we'd like to achieve. And finally, one of the more effective study, study strategies is actually teaching others. So to teach is to learn twice, because to be able to articulate something to someone else and answer their questions, you have to really have a deep understanding of the concept. So it's been found if students can help communicate or teach concepts to other people, their attention can be up to 90%, which is obviously a lot closer to where we'd like them to be. So while we could do a whole presentation on this pyramid alone, I really just wanted to use it to set the scene for the journey moving forward. And that is to really establish the distinction between what we call passive learning strategies and active learning strategies. The problem can be that without guidance, students tend to default to passive learning strategies. Students tend to default to watching videos or rereading notes. If you ask a student how they're preparing, it's typically, go over my notes. I'm still unclear exactly what go over means, but I assume it means reading and highlighting or watching videos, obviously with the vast access to videos online, a lot of students are referring to that as a resource or watching other people complete the task or interact with the information. So while these are definitely learning strategies, they tend to be more passive and not yield as greater results. So how can we support students in going towards a more active learning approach when they're studying? And that's really what today is about. It's about establishing what these active strategies are, but then how can we create a roadmap that leads students down that path to ensure they don't stray towards Rereading or rewriting, and then trying to recall that information and struggling because they're sitting at that 5, 10, 20% mark. That hopefully sets the tone for the rest of the presentation because now we're going to look at what active strategies are. Now, in my experience working with students, typically they're doing about 90% of passive study to 10% of active study, which means they're only really spending 10% of their time actually engaging with the content in a meaningful way. So as you can imagine, when they come to assessments and tests and exams, their understanding of the content isn't as thorough or as ingrained as they'd like it to be. And this can result in having mental blanks during tests and exams, forgetting certain things and not understanding concepts they need to be able to get results. And naturally, this can cause a lot of stress for the students. So when we're talking about active strategies, we're typically referring to strategies that involve recalling information, that is going into your brain and getting a bit of information without having it in front of you. So as opposed to reading your notes, being able to recall a bit of information from your brain without looking at it or without seeing it in front of you. And or manipulating that information into a different form and this is probably one of the more underrated study strategies which we're going to talk about and that is if the information is presented to you in an audio format turning it then into a written format and then transforming it into a table or a mind map or a flowchart and actually having to understand how the information interacts to change its format is a form of active study. So when we're thinking about how we're approaching the learning, it's really about understanding, am I just reading a bit of information that's in front of me and that already exists to try to memorise it word for word or rote learn it? Or am I actually interacting with the information in a way that allows me to get a deep understanding? One of the things that we need to be able to achieve for students to be ready for exams is to actually tick All the boxes of the learning process. And that does include an element of memory, but it does extend to then understanding and actually applying that knowledge. And by doing 90% passive study, you're actually sticking mostly in that memory area and not really transitioning into understanding and applying the content. But come test day or exam day, 100% of your performance depends on your ability to understand and apply. So we're seeing a really big disconnect between how students are preparing for exams and then what they're actually tested on come exam day. So we're going to talk about a little bit about strategies and different types, which I'll go through now. But knowing the strategies is one thing, mapping out a roadmap and a timetable and how you're actually going to execute that is where we're going to spend most of our time today. But for memory, some examples of study strategies could be active cue cards or multiple choice quizzes. Now, when we refer to active cue cards as opposed to passive cue cards, it refers to having a piece of paper and having information written on that to practice a recall or do a quiz. Now, where most students fall short is they put all their information on the same side of the cue card, which means in their mind, revising using cue cards is still simply just reading the information. But because they've broken it up into into smaller portions, it feels more digestible. To create an active cue card activity, simply put a question on the other side of that piece of paper. Now you can treat it as a quiz and it can go two ways. You can either read the question and attempt to recall the answer on the other side without looking or you can read the answer and attempt to recall the question without looking. Either way, you're now engaging in a recall, which makes the activity active as opposed to passive. And multiple choice questions, the reason they are still in the memory space is because the answer is technically in front of you, which means it doesn't require any active recall or effort to get the information, but you still have to have somewhat of uh, memory around which information connects to the question that you're being asked and it is still a way to test your knowledge. So in that sense it is an active activity. When we transition on to understanding this is where we get into some deeper interaction with the content. This is where we can look at teaching someone. So as a parent or a teacher if you really want to measure the understanding of a student ask them to explain the concept to you without looking at the information or without looking, having it in front of them. This is going to really test their ability not only to remember, but to articulate their thoughts in a way that makes sense. And part of your job as the student in this case, listening to them teaching, is to ask questions. Ask them who, what, when, where, why and how. Really get them to push their understanding of the topic. Once they reach a point where they can confidently articulate that information to someone else, It's reflecting a true understanding in themselves. And summary sheets. Now, this is also can be referred to as cheat sheets. And it's typically an A4 double-sided piece of paper that you take into a test with the key information. Now, the reason this is in the understanding column is because it's not about copying the information from your notes onto this paper. It's about building out the information in a different format that shows the connections. So what does that mean? If you've got your notes in dot point form or in the notes from a teacher or in a PowerPoint, creating a summary sheet with diagrams and tables and flowcharts and putting the information into question and answer format is actually requiring requiring you to take that information, understand it, manipulate it and present it, which is a really effective study method in trying to understand information better and the last stage which is probably most important coming into exam time is application so application is using that content to try and answer questions so mimicking the conditions that you're going to have to apply under those exam conditions so where students tend to sit for a little longer than they should is trying to memorize information about who what when, where. But typically when you get into an exam, the questions relate to why and how. As an example, in history, typically in class you're going to learn about dates and figures and events. Whereas in the exam, they're going to ask you how these events impacted the war, or the future, or the progression of technology. So if you haven't actually pushed yourself to understand these concepts and apply your knowledge, it's going to be really hard to show up on the day. Now, for students all over Australia, they'll they'll have access to a few different resources. Um, There are websites for each state. So if we're talking about Victoria, there is the VCAR website, which we'll touch on a bit later, which has all past exams that you can access exam-style questions from and even a detailed report on how to answer them. So exposing yourself to these as early as possible is crucial to understanding what you're coming up against in the exams. Or um, other resources, there are resources like Cambridge Checkpoints, which are associated with VCAR, and they collate all these past questions and group them into content topics and allow you to go through those questions, but in exam format, as opposed to just basic recall. Or there's even organizations like Ed which exist in most schools that have banks of questions that you can attempt, and they're all at an exam standard. So having a go at applying knowledge in this exam context is probably the most overlooked step in the exam study process. And it's why some students tend to fall short because knowing the content inside out, back to front is one thing, but not knowing how to use it come exam day is one of the biggest causes of stress and missed marks. Um, So this I would argue is one of the more important steps in the process but you can't apply unless you've memorized definitions and understood concepts. So it really is a three stage process. You really need to start with some of the softer approaches of your cue cards and multiple choice quizzes to familiarize yourself with the context and the words and the phrases and the terminology. Then to test that you've actually memorized and and understood, that's when you can teach someone and create these summary sheets. And then when you're ready, you take the next step into trying to apply these not only to exam style questions, but to different case studies and scenarios. How is this information relevant in the real world? Because that's what exams are trying to achieve. They're trying to show you a real world application of this content. Here we've outlined the three stages of learning that students need to cover to be ready for exams. but even knowing this and even having all of the strategies up your belt and understanding what they all mean and what you need to do, the question becomes where to start. Where do I start actually studying? What do I do first? When do I do it? How much of each do I do? And how do I know when I've done it all? And this is where a roadmap can really help put all this information together for students. And this will be... The majority of the rest of the presentation will be around how can we, knowing that we need to do those three stages, how can we map that out for students in a way that's not overwhelming and that gives them a bit of direction. We've broken it down to four steps, but before I go into that, understanding what a roadmap is and why it's important is the first step. It's called a roadmap because roadmaps typically tell you where you're going, what stops you're going to pass, what turns to take. And where we adapt that here is understanding all the stops we need to make or all the boxes we need to pick or all the things we need to study along the way. Knowing the destination and knowing that that's clear in front of us is half the battle. Not knowing where to start or not knowing where you're going or not knowing what you need to do along the way is where the stress comes from. So, to break this process down into four steps, first you need to break down each subject into the content you need to know. We've modeled this on um, the senior exams for. Victorian students or students anywhere in Australia will have a similar model where each subject is broken down into four to six AOS, which is areas of study. So four to six topics that they've covered. Now for senior students, their exam is covering content that they've learned the whole year, whereas junior students typically it's covering half a year. So there may be less to cover, but the principle still remains the same. And what we do in this roadmap is we simply start by actually writing down all the areas of study that we need to cover. Now this seems like a really obvious step, but again, having worked with far more students than I can count, very few of them actually have what they need to do written down. Very few of them have an understanding of everything they need to cover going into an exam. But it's simple as taking five minutes to write down the subject, in this case biology, and the five areas of study that need to be covered. Having them written out in front of you is already starting to establish how much work needs to be done. And one of three things is going to happen. Either the students are going to feel like that's a lot less than they thought, which is great because now they can relax a little bit. Either it's going to be on par with what they thought so they know they're in a good position or it's going to be more than what they thought which is also a good realisation because they know they need to get the hustle on a little bit. But simply writing them down, creating a little map of each subject and everything that needs to be covered is a really important place to start. Going in blind is not helpful for anyone. Once you have mapped out those areas of studies, the next step is to choose three study strategies that work for you. So in the previous slide, we had six different examples. It is unrealistic to assume that a student will do all of those examples for every subject. But choosing three, that is one memory strategy, one understanding strategy, and one application strategy is going to make sure the student is balanced across all the learning stages and in all their subjects. Now, the six that I showed are not the only strategies, but hopefully your understanding of active style learning, of manipulating information and recalling it when it's not in front of you might give you some ideas of other types of strategies you can use as well. But the next step is to pick three study strategies from each, one from each stage of learning. Then we add that to the map. So for this particular example, this student wants to use active cue cards to memorize. They want to teach someone to understand. They want to do exam style questions to apply. Now, hopefully you can see where this is going. But basically, we're setting ourselves up to be able to do each of these learning stages for each of the areas of study this way the student knows that they're covering all of their bases and not missing any information. This is particularly important because students tend to continue to study things they like, ignore the things that they don't like, and avoid the things that they think are too hard. But by mapping it out and having a clear guideline of everything that needs to be done, they can't really run away from anything. So the third step is to assign due dates and this is where a bit of mapping comes into play and if you're a parent or a teacher it might be helpful to help the student go through this process at the start to help set them up but essentially what we do at this point is we add some due dates for each of these tasks so simply a date in which you'd like to complete that task on it's important to do it to write the date that you want to complete it on rather than the date that it is due because there is a psychological phenomenon that happens is that when it's due you try to push it all the way until the last minute on that date. And that's what students tend to enjoy. But if psychologically they know that this is the day that I'm gonna do it on, then they might be more inclined to start it earlier in the day um, as opposed to leaving it till the last minute on that day because they are associated with a due date. But the other really neat thing to note about these dates, an important thing to note is the distribution of the dates. What you'll notice is that at any point in time, You can do a couple of activities, but you probably want to avoid doing all three stages at one time because we want to get some spaced repetition. But you'll also notice that each area of study has been assigned a different day. One thing that students, one approach that some students like to take is to assign one day and I'm going to study all of biology on this day or all of math on the next day. And this has two problems. One, that is a very overwhelming workload and they rarely to never get through it or they get through it at a really poor quality. But two, if they, get, if they do manage to achieve that and they're doing five subjects, that means they've done all of their exam study in five days and won't revisit that content again before exams. And one of the more effective study methods is spaced repetition. So seeing content multiple times over a period of time. So we want to avoid their cramming too soon or cramming too late. So you'll see that these dates are are distributed a few days apart with some gaps in there because they're gonna have multiple subjects. So there's gonna be a little bit of overlap um, to avoid studying one subject then moving on to the next. They wanna be studying multiple subjects at the same time. Then you'll notice that the exam style questions column is a couple of days after They've learnt the information or memorized and understood the information. This is to ensure it's really been retained as opposed to doing it on the same day where it might just be stored in their immediate memory as opposed to a shorter to longer term solution which is what they're going to need for exams. So leave a couple of days apart and help the students map something out that allows them to revisit a subject or content every second day or every third day or every day in little bits without feeling overwhelmed about completing a whole section in one day. So what we've done here is we've achieved a map where they've gone through each part of the learning stage. Now, while this might seem overwhelming, if you zoom into any of these tasks individually, active cue cards for one area of study typically is only a 30 to 50 minute activity. Teaching someone could take up to an hour where you're really explaining things thoroughly. And exam style questions, you do want to set aside about an hour to 90 minutes to really get through a lot of those. Now, most people will say that doesn't seem like a lot of time spent, but accumulatively, this tends to add up quite quickly. So on this table, you might be looking at closer to probably 12 to 13 hours of study. But by breaking it down over the course of here 13 days, it starts to feel more reasonable for the students because the reality is they do have to cover a whole year's content in a short amount of time, seven weeks for VCE students now. So as opposed to um, trying to tell them to study 13 hours, in this way, you're just telling them do this one task, do this one half an hour task. And it starts to feel slightly less unreasonable. So by mapping these out for each subject, you can start to create a bit of a roadmap. And each day they have a clear to-do list on what they need to get done. The last stage is to complete practice exams because the only way to get better at exams is to do them. Now, at a VCE level or at a senior level um, for high school students, we typically recommend at least five five practice exams. For junior high school students, typically two One to two will suffice because it's less content to cover. But five practice exams for senior high school students gives them a a good range of questions so they can be tested from every angle. If you are wanting to go more into the high performance space, typically students will attempt anywhere from 15 to 30 practice exams if they are really pushing to get into your high 90s and, and really push the boundaries of their performance. But for your average student who just wants to get enough exposure to feel confident going into the exam, five exams is a good place to start, provided that they are completed under exam conditions, which we'll cover in a moment. Taking all that into consideration, which is a lot of information, you do end up with a really clean and concise roadmap. So this roadmap for biology has every area of study, the three stages of learning, and practice, five practice exams to tick off the list. Now, we do encourage you to try and complete all tasks under exam conditions. This is to start to familiarize yourself with time pressure. So exam conditions means time pressure and no resources. Now, while this can cause a little bit of extra stress now during the study process, Once you do it enough, you become desensitized to the time pressure and you start to pick up the pace in a way that's inevitable when you've done five practice exams. And without using your supporting notes, you're really practicing that recall and diving into your brain to find the information as opposed to leaning on a crutch that won't be there on exam day. So trying to complete all the tasks under exam conditions, you're actually preparing for the conditions as well as the content. And in my experience, typically students are relatively comfortable with the content but the conditions catch them on the day but what I tell my students that I work with day in and day out is the first time you do something it's a little bit tricky the second time you do something it feels a little bit better the third the fourth it gradually gets easier but if you're doing everything under exam conditions let's say exam style questions and by the time you get to the exam day it's the 150th time you've done questions under those conditions Most students will agree that the 150th time they do something, it's significantly easier. So that's what we're trying to achieve by inducing these exam style conditions during the study process. So now, let's say it's the 11th of September and we're starting to study. We've done those and we tick them off. Now, as adults, we hopefully understand the satisfaction of ticking something off a list. But it's psychologically engraved into us that being able to tick things off releases dopamine and excessive amounts of dopamine make you happy and feel accomplished and then you're more likely to do serotonin inducing activities and you end up on this endless cycle of positivity just by having a clear goal and being able to tick that off and what happens over time is the students can visually see their progress so if we think back to the questions at the start, how do I know where to start? How do I know what to do? And how do I know when I'm ready? Every single student I've spoken to who has mapped this out and started ticking them off, I always ask them, once you've ticked every single box off this list, do you think you'll be ready for the exam? And I say, of course. And just by inducing that sense of there is an end point, there is a point of completion. There is a point that if I am have covered all of these learning elements, I shouldn't have a doubt in my ability. It helps reduce the stress. You're eliminating unknowns. You're eliminating where do I start by having a clear roadmap. You're eliminating what do I do by having clear study strategies. And you're eliminating when am I ready by having an end point. So you're really helping the students on a guided journey towards exams while helping them cover every bit of content. The other helpful tip to use here is if there is an area that is not understood, they can localize it on this table and say, well, actually, I'm really struggling teaching someone, which means I'm struggling understanding in area of study two. Now that actually gives them guidance on what they need to work on instead of spending time on things they're confident with. It's much easier to identify the gaps when you know what you're trying to identify. So as you work through this, Table. eventually you start to go through practice exams and when you get to this point I can tell you that 100% of the time I've worked with students they're feeling significantly more confident at this point they've done exam style questions and they've done five practice exams there is no style of question they haven't seen there is no content that they're feeling shaky about and they're feeling confident and ready to go into the exams and the reality is that bad results don't cause stress stress causes bad results so if we can eliminate as much stress as possible and as much uncertainty as possible, we're helping them get the best results possible. And that is hopefully the aim. In saying that, that's a lot. That was a whole whole um, journey that we just went on together. But hopefully you can see that it's quite a simple thing to put together and what we've actually done is created this template roadmap for you that will be accessible online and be emailed out to you as well. So you can help the students fill in this table with each of their subjects, each of the areas of study, the three chosen strategies that they would like to use and some place to tick off their practice exams. Now we've put 10 boxes in case students wanna stretch themselves, but they can extend it to 20 or they can only do five, it's up to them. But taking a moment to help a student map this out, it typically takes about 20 to 30 minutes to really sit down, map it out, and think about all the areas and all the things they want to achieve. But that 20 to 30 minutes is saving them hours upon hours of stress and worry over the next six weeks. The last tips that I can probably give you while mapping it out, make sure you're combining the different subjects at any point in time and not just sticking to one, completing it and then doing the next. Because what happens is once you go over all five subjects, it's now been five weeks since you looked at the first one. So it's going to be a lot trickier to do those exams. So by alternating between subjects each day, one, it's helping the students stay motivated because there's a novel element to their study by changing the subjects. But two, it's going to make sure you're achieving that spaced repetition of content over time. And if you can map out the first three columns over the next four to five weeks, then that's giving them a whole two to three weeks to complete those practice exams, which is ample time to complete, review, figure out where their gaps are and go again. So hopefully we find this template is helpful for the students going into their their high school exams and it can be used at any level. It can be used from year seven all the way through to year 12. They might just need to use less boxes or they might only do two study strategies instead of three. But for students that are going into their senior exams in just a matter of weeks, it's really important that they understand the learning process and that they're ticking off each stage. But they could know all the strategies and they could have the perfect roadmap and they could understand active and passive, but they still might need some help. So I thought I'd leave with a couple of resources on where to find help. Now for Victorian students, given that this is the Victorian Parents Council, the VCAR website is the most valuable resource. So they have all of the outlines for all the VCA subjects, um, Units 1 through to Unit 4, so Year 11 and Year 12 students. They have all of the exam specifications, they have all of the content that needs to be known, all of those areas of studies, as well as past exams. You can go through any subject in the curriculum, any curriculum from any subject. and. In, within each subject, it's going to show you past exams and exam reports from the current study design. So for most students completing the last five or six years of exams will give them a really good idea of what's going on but for the students that really want to stretch themselves they have exams all the way back to 2002 so for a lot of my students they just pick a year each week and complete the practice exam for each subject for that year and they're making their way through and and really exposing themselves to as much content as possible but it's actually the examiner's reports so which explains what the answers are how they work and and what Vika are expecting that is most helpful. And the VCAR website has so much information and it has information for parents on how to support their students and for the students on how to approach their exams and curriculum. That is for students who are more independent and want to go seek out that help, but what if they still need help? That's when you need to go to your trusted list of advisors, which is what I call these when I'm talking to students. First and foremost is your teacher. Teachers are doing the absolute best they can and they're working as hard as they can to support their students. They are your best point of contact contact to understand what areas you need to work on. They've seen your workload over the last 12 months and they can give you a really good indication about what you need to cover and what areas that you really need to work on so they could be a great resource for you if you're struggling to to really pick out what to work on well-being coordinators exist in every school and they are typically there to help you coping with stress so for a parent or a teacher who sees a student that's struggling really encourage them to reach out to a well-being coordinator they're typically qualified in giving some some tactics and some tips on on how the student can cope with stress and do it day in and day out If you still feel like there's areas that you really need help with, contacting a tutor is helpful, but only if you really understand where the problem is. One of the common mistakes used with tutors is going and asking, I am having trouble with maths, help me. But the tutor is then really isn't able to offer help in the best way possible. So if you are gonna approach a tutor, make sure you have a really specific set of questions and gaps in your understanding, spoiler alert, The roadmap will help you do this. If while you're going through the roadmap, you understand that there's a few gaps in there that you're struggling to get through, that's a perfect time to then contact a tutor and say, I'm specifically having trouble in application of area study three. It makes for more targeted conversations and getting more out of the relationship. And finally, study coaches, people like myself that might be able to help you just map out your study, find different study strategies that work for you, help you managing your time or your processing. And that's really for students who are confident with the content, but struggling really getting along with their studies and and finding ways that work for them. So make sure you remember that you're not alone as a student and for parents and teachers, they need to be encouraging students to approach the people that they need to help solve their specific problem. Now, without harping on it too much, this year has been one of the more difficult years that we've experienced. And for students, particularly in senior school that have been had disrupted learning over the last 24 months, their motivation levels are at an all time low and their confidence levels are even more shattered. So for parents and teachers, I urge you to support them where you can, and I'm sure you are, but ask them to seek the right help based on what they need support with. The best thing you can do is just remind them that there are resources out there and that they're not alone. And hopefully one of these four um, areas of support can help them proceed with that. So on that note, while I'm here and while you have me, that is all I had to cover, but I would love to hear any questions you have and see what else I can do to support anyone on the on the webinar.
0: Well, amazing, Deanna. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> That's all that, was right,
0: wonderful. that was wonderful. So Deanna, we do have some questions and we, and uh, I've tried to amalgamate some of them because we've been getting, getting some, getting some messages as you've been going along. Look, how to support a young man who does not feel inspired to study. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a couple of, couple of quick tips for, for this parent.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's worth noting at the beginning that everyone's souls are just completely battered at the moment. So, Trying not to go in with the angle of you should be motivated or you should be inspired or it's your last year or just keep going because they're hearing that from every angle and working with students one on one, I found that that hasn't worked. Inspiration and motivation is, is intrinsic. I don't claim to be able to motivate students and no one can really motivate students. All we can do is give them something small and achievable to start with. So if he feels like he can't and he's not inspired and he's not motivated, Say, take the expectation off. I don't need you to be inspired. I don't need you to be motivated. I just need you to take this one step today. Do you think you can do that? Do you think you can just try doing your cue cards for this area of study and just see what happens? What we're trying to build is a confidence competence loop. Once they realize they can do it, then they're like, all right, that wasn't too bad. And I can actually do it. Let's take on another task. And that's why we try to keep these tasks short, half an hour, an hour, something really palatable for the students. And hopefully over time with a bit of guidance and a bit of structure, even though he might not be feeling absolutely inspired, he's feeling confident and competent. I know that's not necessarily the answer with all the if you believe you will achieve, I'd have rhetoric that you want, but the reality is we need to be realistic with, with where the students are at. And if Adults are struggling, the students are struggling tenfold. So just giving them something palatable, I would say, is probably the first step. Well,
0: can I can I say just as a, as a teacher of 25 plus years? So in, in, in another life, everything that Deanna is saying is gold. Right? Um, so it's, it's tried, tried, true, tested methodology of chunking things down and making, making tasks smaller. And sometimes our young people at home just are not in a mindset or mind space to be able to do that themselves. So adults in the room help them work out those smaller, smaller times. Um, so 30 minutes max. I, I absolutely agree, Deanna. That that is the golden formula, I have to say.
1: Perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Definitely tried and tested. <laughs> it definitely works folks it definitely works.
0: Deanna anxiety and time management so and I know this is another topic that you you also look at but yeah. just some just some tips to help with the management of uh, of yeah obviously time but also that anxiety yeah. that comes with prepping.
1: Yeah perfect. so one of the reasons I start the presentation the way I do is that anxiety and stress. Is defined as the unknown, right? The reality of anxiety is I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know how to do this. So, as anxiety is cured by eliminating as many of those unknowns as possible. So hopefully, I know this I'm not saying this roadmap is the answer and the, the, the holy grail, but it is a step in a direction to eliminate some of those unknowns by mapping something out for them because hopefully, hopefully the student isn't anxious about doing a set of cue cards for one area of study. If they are, then we probably have some larger work to do <laughs> with the student. But what they're anxious about is preparing for five exams in six weeks. That's what they're anxious about. They're anxious about not knowing what they don't know. They're anxious about the sheer size of the workload and then not knowing if they're ever going to be ready for it. But by eliminating and showing them that there is actually a measured way to evaluate that and helping them tick things off, underestimate the power of that tick and highlighting and actually I've accomplished this, hopefully that eliminates some of the anxiety. With the time management, one thing that I do with my students is Remember to schedule study around life, not life around study. When I'm doing my timetables with my student, before I even ask them, how long do you want to study? When do you want to study? I go, what commitments do you not want to miss every week? Is that a TV show with your family on a Thursday night? Is it dinner every night at six o'clock? Is it a walk with your sister at four o'clock? Is it hanging out with your friends on a Friday night? Let's actually schedule that in on a piece of paper. Let's show your brain how much time you're giving to yourself so that when you're studying, it's not going oh my god this is it my life is just studying and I don't do anything but study because you can visualize all the great things that you're doing for yourself then what you'll find is you probably have more time than you think even after you've scheduled in family time and friend time and sports time there's all these gaps and what else is there to do except for half an hour here or half an hour there and all of a sudden it becomes reasonable so the two tips are Reducing anxiety is eliminating unknowns. So the more you can give them structure and there is freedom in structure, which is ironic, but that's really that where that comes from. And with timetabling, schedule life in first and then fit study after, as opposed to what most people tend to do in BC is I need to study three or four hours a night and whatever I can fit in around that, I'll try. And that's where they end up in this hole. So hopefully that answers that question.
0: Well, it does. And it actually plays really beautifully into some other research work that I do do as well. Having a structured style actually does promote well-being, mental health, Because it helps you to actually build confidence so that you can manage these things for yourself. So, brilliant. Yes, big big tick, big tick from the from the old teacher on the on the call tonight. That's so, good. Yeah, well done. And we've got a, uh, got one more in terms of what parents can do, additionally to support their children at this time.
1: Yeah, it's a delicate time because even more so than ever, it's probably, I know you want to jump in and support them as much as you can, but it's almost taking a step back and empowering them to realise that they can do it on their own, but you're there as a safety net as opposed to you're there dragging them by their hand. So I mentioned it throughout a little bit, but actually taking a moment just to help them map out their study schedule is a good way because then it also gives you permission to refer them back to it if you see them off track. Mm. So I think I find that's a really great technique. When I'm working with students, I get the parents involved in structuring their time and their day and their roadmap so that if they find that students are off track a little bit, it's been a few days since they studied, you then have permission to go, hey, remember when we worked on that roadmap? How are you feeling? How is it tracking? Mm. And you have an in with them at that point as opposed to them shutting you out going, I know what I'm doing, I did my roadmap, I know where I'm at. But you can come at it from a point of, hey, remember when we did that really great thing and you were on board and you and you felt like that was the right path for you? How are we tracking? Do we want to revisit it? Do we want to look at where you are? So it almost gives you permission to take that step in. Mm. The other thing, unfortunately, that I see way too much is students will have the "what do you know, mum and dad" mentality, right? And teachers often, by no fault of their own, they have a negative connotation because they're in that authoritative position at the school so encouraging them one to just asking the question okay well where can you go for help and what can you do for help yeah. sometimes they're independent enough to go online but it, they literally just need to be reminded that they have access to all the information in the world at their fingertips or sometimes it might just be hey do we need to just book a chat with your well-being coordinator to see if they can get you on track or do we need to just book one session with a tutor but The condition being that you have to have a really specific set of questions ready that you want to ask them. Even that alone forces them to evaluate their knowledge. So in terms of parent support, it's a delicate balance between not going what are you doing, where are you up to or any of that. But if you create a plan together, Mm -hmm. then that gives you the permission to just every now and then give a nod to that plan and go, hey, I was looking at your roadmap. It looks like you might be behind. What can I do to help? As opposed to why aren't you here? What are you doing? Why aren't you studying? So yes. that would be my advice there.
0: I like that, Deanna. I think it's very, it's very difficult because we're wanting them to be adults and they do yeah. have control. And it, it, it is them. It's their, it's their exams. It's their, you know, them getting ready for their, their final exams. So one of the things that I've, I've always recommended too is um, is to say, what would you like me to do as a parent? How much do you want me to do? In the sense of, you know, do you want me to remind you? Do you want me to? Do you want me to be the half-hour timer? Do you want me to do all those sorts of things? So just to be be there as a as the, as the coach and as the um you know the the cheer squad in the corner rather yeah. than the rather than the nagger because it doesn't work.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: So, look, Deanna, we're coming up to the end of our time together. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for this. Just been an amazing session. Um, I know that we're getting, we had some lovely comments, people saying thank you. This has been really helpful. Um, but Deanna's not just a, um, an academic coach talking about exam preparation. She does a whole lot of other things as well. So she does look at things like uh, does other topics specifically on time management and study schedules, Um, to-do lists and prioritising work, um, essay writing and effective study environments. So, um, Deanna, I'm actually going to put you on the spot now and ask you, would you come back again, please?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. My pleasure. Anything I can do to, to help students at scale. So I recommend if anyone's found this useful, make sure you share it because the teachers don't have time to work with each student on an individual level to help them. But if a parent can, or if they can exactly. just use this template to to eliminate some of those unknowns and reduce that stress, then 100%. So I'd love to come back and continue to support in any way that I can.
0: Wonderful, thank you so much. And uh, so look out, people, look out for the advertisements that we put out um, on our social media and on our website because we will have Deanna back, and that would be that'll be fantastic. So thank you so much. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? Please visit the VPC website, vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer, Emma Sydney, for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish,